The 75th Precinct, located in the southeastern corner of Brooklyn, is the largest of all the New York Police Department's precincts. Developing this morning, we are in the middle of another weekend of senseless gun violence in the city. More gun violence in the city, this time at a deli in East New York, Brooklyn. Police say a 28-year-old man was shot. Precinct consistently ranks at the bottom in every quality of life statistic, while ranking at the top in regard to crime. Recent surge of gun violence continued Friday in the city with six separate shootings involving seven victims. There was a saying in the 75, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen here. It doesn't matter. Whatever is gonna go wrong, it's gonna go wrong in the 75. A 17-year-old girl was found shot in the lobby of a building in East New York. Police say when they arrived, they found the teenager in the lobby with a gunshot wound to her chest. In 1990, there were 2,245 homicides in New York City. The 75th Precinct had 109 of those homicides. Sometimes you'd be just sitting right in your memo book and the shots were off behind you. There was one year there where someone was shot every single day of the week. I'm retired Detective Sergeant Wally Zions, and you're listening to Breaking the Case a true crime podcast written and produced by the New York City Police Department and supported by the New York City Police Foundation. This season, we look back to the 1990s when crime in New York City was at an all-time high. We told the story of the six-year investigation into Herberto Seda, a copycat serial killer who called himself the Zodiac. In the seventh and final episode of season three, we take a look at East New York, Brooklyn, the 75th Precinct. This is the neighborhood where Seda grew up. Even today, it's a place where opportunities are few and far between. It's where rookies still go to become seasoned police officers. But a lot has changed since then as well. In this episode, we'll meet an officer who's making a difference one kid at a time. The New York Zodiac Copycat, Episode 7, East New York, Brooklyn, Then and Now. When a police officer graduates from the police academy, they're asked to make a wish list of the commands or precincts that they would like to work in. When I was getting out of the police academy, somebody asked me, where did I want to work? That's retired detective Tommy Marr. He joined the NYPD in the late 70s and served for 22 years. I grew up in the Bronx. I know the Bronx. I know Manhattan from working in Manhattan. I know a little bit about Queens. I know nothing about Staten Island. I knew nothing about Brooklyn. So this person that I was speaking to told me, yeah, don't worry, you're not going to go to Brooklyn, you're not going to go to Staten Island. Ma wanted to work in the Bronx. Well, I got my orders, and where do I go? East New York, Brooklyn. So I had to be there on a Monday morning. On a Sunday afternoon, I figured, let me go. I'm going to try to locate where the precinct's located on Sutter Avenue. I'm on Sutter Avenue. I'm looking for the precinct. I see two cops in a radio car. I stopped. I introduced myself. I said, listen, I just got assigned to the 75th precinct. I know it's here on Sutter Avenue. I don't know where, but maybe you can tell me where it is. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, boy, who did you screw? Because you must have screwed somebody to come to this place. Retired Detective Dale Schultz came on the job in 1991. He wanted to work in the 75 precinct. He took the NYPD test and used a hook, an acquaintance someone in the department to get his request pushed to the top of the list. My hook, who was a first grade detective in homicide in Brooklyn, said, go to a busy house, learn the job. Detective Schultz got his wish. Next thing I know, I'm 
on a foot post on Fulton Street on a 4 to 12 <laughs> in the middle of summer. And it was a cultural shock. East New York is often viewed as a proving ground for cops. Again, here's Schultz. It was a fast place to learn. You had to learn fast. You had to become street smart. If you didn't have that mentality about you as a cop working in East New York, they'd eat you up. The 7-5 precinct was also at the forefront of gender equality and law enforcement. It was among the first to welcome women on patrol. Here's retired police officer Suzanne Johnson, who joined the NYPD in 1979. I had a husband and my brother on the job, so I never wanted to do anything to embarrass them. So I made sure when I did the job, I went and did it just like everybody else did it. The woman understood that they wouldn't receive any special treatment because of their gender. They treated me just like any other male because they weren't going to help me. That's retired police officer Kathleen Vigiano. She served 20 years in the department working in East New York. I got a flat tire at a detail once, and they all just stood there and watched me change my flat tire. You know, <laughs> because you want this job, you got to do it. Female officers formed a united front, patrolling together during their shifts. Back then we had nine squads, and I think I had like six women in my squad. We worked together. In the early 90s, East New York experienced a surge of violence that gripped the community. Gunshots echoed through the streets, claiming lives and instilling fear in the hearts of residents. Gang activity and drug-related disputes fueled the turmoil, creating an atmosphere of tension and danger. I have a newspaper clipping and it says, uh, Little Bosnia, and that's what it was like. Children fell victim to senseless gun violence. The community was devastated as innocent lives were cut short, their futures stolen away by the indiscriminate pull of a trigger. My first... Homicide was a 12-year-old kid, you know, shot right, right in the head. It was terrible. There were incidents where police officers were targeted and shot. These brazen acts of violence shocked the community and strained the relationship between law enforcement and residents. Here's retired Detective Marr again. How violent was it back then? I'll tell you, I got shot in 1983. Apprehended a guy for a robbery in, in the 75th prison. Right? I, I got shot in the leg. It went in and went out. They, they took it out. I was very lucky. You were lucky back then in the 75th precinct if you were able to go leave your house, walk to the subway without getting mugged, get to work without getting mugged, come home, not get mugged on the way back home, get, get home and find out your house wasn't burglarized. You had a great day. Already burdened by poverty, crime, and lack of opportunities, the 75 became a breeding ground for the drug trade. Crack cocaine infiltrated every corner. Here's retired Detective Schultz. It was that new generation of crack. East New York was one of the biggest crack hubs when it all started in 1991, 1990. Drug infested, gun infested. You could buy weed out of any basically basement, every two houses. You can get crack on the corner of Chestnut or Euclid. I used to come back into the precinct and kick my boots. You had to always kick your boots because the crack vials would be stuck in your boots. In this climate, there were citizens who embraced the presence of law enforcement. Here's Officer Kathleen Vigiano. Then you had the group of people that would keep their doors closed, come to the meetings and, you know, want the neighborhood cleaned up. But they couldn't because the small group of people that were going around, you know, the drug dealing and the shootings... You only need a small group to ruin a whole neighborhood. 30 years later, East New York has changed. Since 1990, crime there is down by 80%. The city has committed to investing 
in the neighborhood's economic development and affordable housing. After the break, we'll talk to an officer who's trying to change lives there, one kid at a time. Being a cop is just all I've ever wanted to do, ever since I was the little five-year-old that said I want to become a cop, and that dream never changed. Meet Joe Galletta, a youth coordination officer in East New York. He had a lifelong dream of becoming a police officer. I took as many civil servant tests as I could, Suffolk tests, um, Nassau tests, NYPD, all of them, and NYPD was the first one to get back to me. Galletta is from Long Island, New York. I'm a white boy from Suffolk, Irish and Italian from Suffolk County. He grew up in a small town known for fishing, clamming, and boating, located 42 miles east of the 7-5 precinct. It's one of New York's safest places to live, with a low crime rate compared to New York City. Before joining the NYPD, Galletta had never been to East New York. Very, very big culture shock. As a rookie cop, Galletta heard the inside jokes adopted by the veterans. The 7-5 used to have a dark humor motto mocking the 1010 win slogan, you give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. Well, the 7-5 would say, you give us 22 minutes, we'll give you a homicide. Galletta remembers his first homicide job. He and his partner responded to a call about a possible shooting outside a New York City housing development in Public Service Area 2, also known as PSA 2. PSA 2 covers East New York and Brownsville public housing. I was on midnight patrol first. Less than two months on, a call comes over of shots fired. We show up there, and there's a person shot on the ground. I run up to him, and I just turn to my senior cop and go, now what? Because it's the first dead body I've seen, person dying at least. The senior cop starts going over everything that we're doing. He's calling for an ambulance to get the guy help. Uh, I get flagged down by the caller. He goes, hey, I called, come, come here. I'm like, okay, so what, do, what did you see? He starts giving me the description of the shooter. I'm writing all this down, doing what I think is a good job. Another cop came over, put over the description. And another officer sees the suspect with based on this description that I just got. Civilians are walking up, wanting to see what's going on. I'm trying to keep everyone back. There's no caution tape or anything yet. And there's just a pool of blood on the ground. I'm just telling people, just, hey, don't step in this blood. Galata learned that officers don't build relationships with the community at the precinct house. Their work happens in places like a murder scene at a housing development in the middle of the night. If there's one thing these interactions have taught him, it's that residents in high-crime communities want policing. One thing about the community within the 7-5 is most of the community actually do like us, like us as police, because they know how much worse their neighborhood would be without us. There's a very small percentage of people that are driving the crime in it, and most of the community knows how much worse it would be without us here. I work for the Community Affairs Options Program. I fall out of 127 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's a community center in East New York, the 75 Precinct. The Options Program, sponsored by the New York City Police Foundation, empowers kids by teaching them life skills. The Options Program is a program from Community Affairs where we go into schools and we teach kids emotional intelligence, de-escalation skills, and then we put them into virtual reality headsets to test out their new skills. From there, we follow up with them with different types of programming and workshops where we can teach them about financial management, computer programming, podcasting. Um, our list is always evolving and expanding of what kind of programs we offer to the youth. Galletta wanted to become a youth coordination officer 
because he saw it as an opportunity to directly interact with young people in New York. So the Youth Coordination Officer Program is a program where they would take cops from precincts and assign them to work specifically with youth. NYPD launched the Youth Coordination Officers Program in 2020 with 462 YCOs serving the city's 77 precincts. Galetta has been a youth coordination officer since the beginning. I became one because if I can arrest the kid, they'll be out before I'm done even processing the paperwork. But if we can at least try to teach them something and try to help them make better decisions, that'll go much further than just arresting them and keeping them going through that revolving door. To build better relationships with the kids, the program leaders thought it was important for them to get to know each other first. They started playing a team sport. It started as a basketball program where kids would, would bring all of the different developments together and each development would have their own basketball team. So Van Dyke had their own basketball team, Brownsville had their own basketball team, Tilden had their own basketball team, Howard had their own basketball team. We'd all come to one of the community centers and all the kids would play basketball together, which was huge because a lot of these projects were um, quote unquote rivals with each other. Kids didn't know why, they just know you live in Tilden, I live in Brownsville, we don't like each other. But we were able to start breaking down some of those barriers with basketball. But in order to play basketball, we had these life development courses that the kids had to start going through too. Basic things to start with, how to write a resume, how to tie a tie, how to look for jobs. From there, we started working with the New York City Police Foundation to help fund some of this. And we were able to continually expand the program. The NYPD and the New York City Police Foundation jointly started the program Options, aimed at teaching art, digital media, vocational and life development skills. 127 Penn, named creatively based on its address, 127 Pennsylvania Avenue in East New York, is a first of its kind community center in New York City run by the police department and community organizations. And the police foundation wanted to start using newer emerging technologies uh, such as virtual reality. So we were able to work with these youth that we've been working with to build out an emotional intelligence curriculum to help make better decisions, understand their emotions better, and then de-escalate situations. From there, we built virtual reality scenarios with the youth. They were doing the voiceover for it. They were in the motion capture suits. They helped with some of the programming. They wrote the scripts. And we built out these proprietary virtual reality scenarios. So we were able to bring kids into a virtual world to make mistakes and figure out decisions in that virtual world to help them make better decisions in the real world. Galetta sees the effects of crime on some of the young people he works with. He compares it to soldiers who have seen too much war. PTSD is often assigned to soldiers coming back from war and the reasons for the things that soldiers see. They're best friend getting shot next to them. Well, kids in East New York are seeing the same thing. It's their friends getting shot next to them and around the corner from them. Uh, some of the youth that we've been working with, I would ask them like, hey, did you hear about this shooting that was around the corner from your block? And not that I'm asking him to give me information from an investigative point of view, but because I just, if he needs to talk about it, I'll, I'll sit there and listen with him. And he's like, yeah, it was no big deal. I knew the guy, but I didn't really know him like that. I'm like, so, so you even knew this person that was shot? And like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I, I don't care. It's fine. Galetta, 
a cop with a science and technology degree, did the math to understand that in the 75th precinct, it comes down to 40, 40, 20. 40% of the residents are glad you're there. 40% are not, and just don't like the police. And the remaining 20%, especially the kids, are where you can make a change for the better. They're right on that cusp of, yeah, they'll start liking us or they're gonna start disliking us. And so that's the ones that I think as a community, we need to identify who are the ones that are on that cusp and start trying to make a positive influence for. They have to want to make their life better. And if they don't have the motivation to do that, or if they don't have the ability to see themselves succeeding, they're not going to put in that effort. Officer Galetta recognizes that changing the relationship dynamic between police and community, especially with the kids, will be a long process. Trying to better understand the community is super important for the cops because we can start trying to steer youth into a better direction than into a life of crime. And for a community like East New York, crime is the default answer. So we need to start working with these youth, give them a place to go and give them positive alternatives, give them better options because they need to see what is a better success rate for them, what is a better life for them. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Case. This episode marks the end of season three, the New York Zodiac copycat story. If you like our show, please consider giving it a review on Apple Podcasts and recommending it to your friends. And follow the NYPD on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates about season four. Breaking the Case is written and produced by the New York City Police Department and supported by the New York City Police Foundation. A big thank you to everyone who participated in this season. I'm retired Detective Sergeant Wally Zions. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be safe.